Evening, everyone. On Sunday night just gone, we, we looked at how the Lord Jesus came to fulfill the law, how the Son of God came to earth and was the only person to have ever fulfilled the law of God in every aspect. That's what we looked at last Sunday. And tonight, as we prepare for communion, I just want to follow on from that theme a little bit. And we're going to look at Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to look at the Day of Atonement. And in this chapter, we see what God has commanded for those in the Old Testament who broke the law of God. We see how their sins were dealt with, but we also see this lovely picture of Christ as our perfect sacrifice for sin. So if you've got a Bible with you, we're in Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to read from verses 1 to 22 and then go into time of communion. And next week we'll resume our series on the Sermon on the Mount. So Leviticus chapter 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary area. With a young bull for his sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, he is to put on the, the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments. So he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for his sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household, and he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the testimony so that he will not die. He is to take some of the bull's blood, and with his finger sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people, and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way, he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out. Having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. 
Then he shall come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on all the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his fingers seven times to cleanse it and to consecrate it from the uncleanness of the Israelites. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray that as we come to your word that you would open it afresh to us, that you would reveal yourself, that you would reveal yourself as the high priest, as the atoning sacrifice, and as the scapegoat. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're all these things, and we pray that as we look at these things in more detail, that you would speak to us, or that you would encourage us, that you would help us to take strength from the people that you've made us, redeemed and adopted into your family. Lord, we pray that you would speak tonight through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Romans 3 tells us we're all guilty before God. Every one of us stands condemned. From the moment we were conceived in our mother's womb, we were sinful. And that doesn't just mean that we're people that are prone to do sinful things. It means that we're sinful by nature, sinful in word, in deed, and thought. We are completely sinful. Every person sat here this evening is full of sin. The Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one person. That was the case back in the Old Testament, and it's the case today. Not one person who's ever lived on this earth, with the exception of the Lord Jesus Christ, has been sinless. And God can't overlook sin because of his justice. And so in the Old Testament, God mercifully gave his people, the Israelites, some laws and rules to obey and follow. He gave them a system of laws whereby they could live rightly before God and have their sins covered. You know, as we know, for sin to be covered, there always needs to be a blood sacrifice. And in Leviticus 16, God outlines exactly what needed to happen in order for sin to be atoned for, in order for sin to be, our sins to be made, their sins to be made right. Once each year, this man called Aaron, the high priest, would come into the area of the temple known as the holiest of holies. It was an area of the temple that only one person, one man in the whole of Israel could go into. And even then, that man could only enter once each year. It was an area where God's Shekinah glory dwelt. And we see exactly in Leviticus 16 what Aaron the priest had to do. In verse 3, it says he's to bring a young bull with him for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He was to be wearing a special set of clothes. These clothes that Aaron was wearing, they weren't the normal priestly robes that he was wear, would be wearing. These linen garments, they're garments of humility. 
They're sacred garments, yes. But Aaron is coming in humility. He's recognizing that he's approaching God as a sinner. And Aaron then has to get washed. He has to get cleaned. This area of the, the holiest of holies, which was inside the temple, it wasn't the sort of place that you could just wander into. We were down at the allotment yesterday just to get some things ready for the springtime. I'm going somewhere with, somewhere with this, don't worry. But we made a stack of wood, a stack of weeds. Most of them were dry, but they were a little bit damp. So we, we thought anyway, we'll light a fire. I've lit very successful fires in the past, may I add, but this was not one of them. Normally in the past, I've been able to light it and it's fine, or I'll sprinkle a wee bit of red diesel on it and it helps the whole thing. But anyway, this fire just wouldn't take off. So I looked around to the allotment and I couldn't find any diesel, but I found a jar of petrol. And I thought, well, both diesel and petrol are flammable. They're bound to do the same thing. So I got the jar and I sprinkled, well, I didn't sprinkle it. I poured it on. I poured it on thick. I wanted this fire to take off. So I poured and I poured and I poured and I poured a bit more all around, made sure it was, had petrol at the bottom, petrol at the top, petrol all around. And rather than dropping the match in, I thought, well, it's a bit, it's a bit windy. The match is going to blow out. So I got down in my hunkers on my hands and knees and I struck this match and <laughs> it was an inferno. I got a shock. I thought I could do what I wanted, and the result would be okay. I was wrong. I was an idiot. That's similar to what Aaron's two sons did. They'd witnessed the other Levites offer sacrifices, and they thought, well, I can do what I want when I want. There won't be any consequences. It'll be fine. They were wrong. They were idiots. God had commanded clearly in Exodus chapter 30 that there, no one was to offer any unauthorized offerings. But for some reason, Aaron's two sons, two men called Nadab and Abihu, they shrugged off this warning. They came on their own terms. And verse 1 tells us what happened. They died. As a result, God struck them down. This area, the holiest of holies, Aaron had to be prepared. He had to come God's way in God's time. And he had to come only once a year. This wasn't something that you could mess about with, like petrol. I'm not sure that works. You can't mess around with petrol. But <laughs> as I learned, you can't mess around with this. And these two men got it wrong. There were consequences. And so Aaron... After all this outward preparation, getting special clothes on and washing, Aaron was then able to come and offer a sacrifice. Note that he had to get his own sins dealt with before he could sacrifice for the sins of the nation of Israel. That's what verses 11 to 14 are talking about, where he has to take a bull and sacrifice for his own sins and for his household. The writer is clear to stress that, that Aaron needs his own sins forgiven before he can offer atonement. For the people of Israel. And so Aaron the high priest, he comes as a sinner. 
But compare that with what the writer to the Hebrews tells us about the Lord Jesus Christ and His superior priesthood. Here's what Hebrews 7 verses 26 to 28 says about the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7, 26 to 28. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Christ is the true spotless high priest. He's the perfect Aaron. Last week in, in Daisy's school assembly, a local vicar got up and said these words. Jesus was a naughty little boy, just like you are sometimes. This was a vicar. There were times when Jesus as a boy made mistakes, just like you and I. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Some people say, well, Jesus was just a little bit naughty, a bit temperamental, a bit rude, just like everyone else, a bit cheeky. You stop and think about that statement. I'm not sure you can reconcile that with what the Bible says. You see, the Bible says Jesus is sinless. 1 Peter 2.22, he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. 1 John 3.5, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Hebrews 4 verse 15, he was tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. If Jesus did have sin in his heart, even just one sin, he could not have made sacrifice or been the sacrifice for sins once and for all. But here in Hebrews, it's clear that Jesus is our high priest, but he could only be our high priest because he's the spotless son of God. So the one who is perfect sacrificed for sins once for all. Aaron, when he was in the temple, he was the middle person between God and the people of Israel. Time and time again, Aaron would make atonement for the sins of himself and for the, the people as well. But Jesus is our perfect once and for all mediator, the one who represents us before God the Father. And Jesus today is fulfilling that role of high priest. He's our intercessor. As Nathan said, he's our advocate. Praise God. In Leviticus 16, Aaron made this sacrifice for his own sins. And then it says, Aaron was to take two goats. And the, the casting of lots would determine which goat's going to live and which goat's going to die. It's how the people in the Old Testament decided what God's will was before the Holy Spirit came to live in each individual believer in the New Testament. They cast lots in the Old Testament. And I want to think about how both of these goats mentioned from verse 7 onwards are a foreshadowing of what took place when the Lord Jesus Christ came to die for sin. In verse 9, we see that after the casting of lots, the first goat is sacrificed 
as a sin offering. And then in verse 15, we read that its blood is taken inside the veil, inside the temple, and its blood will be sprinkled on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So Aaron's going into the temple, into the holiest of holies, behind the veil, the area where he's only allowed to go to once a year. And this blood was taken in to make atonement for the sins of the children of Israel. Tonight, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Him, the Lord Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice that was punished for your sin and died for it. He was punished for your sin even though He did nothing wrong. He bore in His body our sins on the tree. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. If you're a Christian here tonight, then the Lord Jesus took your place. That death that should have been mine, that punishment that should have been mine, that death and that curse of sin that was on me was paid for by someone that was innocent. You see, when Jesus died on the cross as our great and better high priest, he didn't just bring a sacrifice like Aaron did. He was the sacrifice. And he entered behind the veil, something only he could do. Jesus is a superior priest. It's a perfect priesthood. It's an enduring priesthood. It's one that's eternal, everlasting, and complete. Jesus is high priest ministry. He didn't need to atone for his own sins first. He's the Lamb of God, perfect, spotless, pure, and he's our high priest. At the cross, you'll remember that one of the things that happened was that the curtain of the tabernacle was torn in two from top to bottom. It was to symbolize that this area in the temple called the holiest of holies was no more. Rather than God's presence being in one area, his presence is now with his people in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is now seated at God's right hand, fulfilling the role of the high priest in heaven. That goat that was taken and killed, I'm sure it put up quite a struggle. Not sure if you've ever watched an animal get killed before, maybe a a sheep or a cow or a chicken, but the animal normally isn't willing to die. You normally have to tie them up or curtail them some way. This goat that was about to be killed, it wasn't a willing sacrifice. But the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life willingly for us. Such was his love for you. He laid down his life willingly for our sake. This goat that was killed in Leviticus 16, it was to make atonement for sin. It was to appease the wrath of God. But it was something that had to continually be done. In the Old Testament, we see time and time again of the need for Aaron to come. Or another high priest after Aaron passed away. We'd have to go into the temple and time and time again, year after year, offer sacrifice for sin on the Day of Atonement. But in Christ, we have a sacrifice once and for all. This quote in Leviticus 16 was a foreshadowing of what was to be fulfilled in Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. Here's what Isaac Watts says in one of his hymns. Not all the blood of beasts, 
on Jewish altars slain, could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain. But Christ, the heavenly Lamb, bears all our sins away, a sacrifice of nobler peace and richer blood than they. Not all the blood from animals was enough to pay for sin once and for all. There weren't enough animals in the world to pay that. It had to be Christ, the heavenly Lamb, who would bear our sins away once for all. In Jesus dying on the cross, we have a sacrifice that is complete. As Anthony preached last Easter, it's tetelestai. It's finished. The work of Christ, it's unrepeatable. It's done. Hebrews 10, 12 tells us it's a sacrifice that's sufficient. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. After the cross, Jesus is seated at God's right hand. It's finished. His work is complete. No more do we need to offer animals for, as a sacrifice for sin. Christ is the final sacrifice. And Christ, Christ is a sacrifice that's sufficient. It fulfilled God's design. It's an eternal work. Hebrews 10, 14. By one offering, he is perfected for all time those who are sanctified. He is perfected for all time those who are sanctified. This goat that was sacrificed in Leviticus 16, it was like Jesus in that it was spotless. It was from the people of Israel. Verse 5 says the goat is to be from the Israelite community. This goat was chosen by God. Verse 8 says that they did so through the choosing of lots. And the goat's blood was taken to the holy place to provide atonement. Jesus was spotless. Jesus was from the people of Israel. Jesus was chosen by God, and his blood provides atonement. It's a sacrifice that's effective, perfect, complete, eternal, and superior. Once and for all. And now we can draw into the holiest of holies. Before it was Aaron preparing himself all year for one event, one day he was preparing himself so that he could approach God's throne. But now with the curtains split in two from top to bottom, we can speak to him, listen to him. We can petition him, read his word, and have fellowship with the Almighty God. So we've seen Jesus as our high priest. Jesus is our sacrifice. Finally, let's move on to the, the second goat that's mentioned in Leviticus 16, the scapegoat. <clears throat> so the second goat's brought forward. Verse 21, that we see that Aaron the priest is to lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion and sin of the Israelites. You see in verse 21 the triple emphasis, don't you? Here's what it says. Confess over it all their wickedness and rebellion, all their sins. There's to remain no sin that hasn't been confessed. All wickedness, rebellion, and sin is to be confessed. And you can almost picture the scene, can't you? The crowd are watching as one goat's killed for the 
the sins of the people, one goat sacrificed, and then the crowd watches Aaron lays his hands on this other goat. He confesses their sins, and they watch as this goat literally bears their transgressions. Their sins are transferred from themselves to this goat. And then this goat, laden with all of their transgressions, as the people watched, that goat would go off into the distance. And as that goat became smaller and smaller and smaller on the horizon, so too they would see their sins disappear. That goat that was led off into the wilderness would never return. That word wilderness literally means uninhabited land. The sins led upon the head of the scapegoat are taken from the people and removed to, be a, to a forgotten place, not to be remembered anymore. And you can almost picture the psalmist David when he said that as far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our transgressions from us. This is a scene that the psalmist David would have seen loads and loads of times. Every day at the Day of Atonement, he would have been there. They're carrying, that God is carrying his sins away in a more perfect way. We who are saved, we who are his, the Lord carries our sins and removes them as far as the east is from the west. They're forgotten about. They're gone never to return. It's a picture of Christ. He's our scapegoat. He carried away our sins and iniquities, never to be remembered again. Hebrews ten seventeen says, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. When we ask God to forgive us our sins and we return from them, it tells us in Micah seven nineteen, he will put away our iniquities and he will cast all, all our sins into the bottom of the sea. One commentator said that God throws our sins into the bottom of the sea and then puts up a sign, no fishing. They're not coming back. They're dealt with. Why? How are they dealt with? Because Christ is our scapegoat. If you're a follower of his then this evening, then your sin is dealt with. Your sins have been laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 verse 6 reads, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God laid our sins on his son. He's paid for them. They're forgiven. They're carried away. They're put out of God's sight, never to be remembered anymore. At the cross, of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see God's full, free, everlasting forgiveness and choosing to remember our sins no more. Though your sins be as scarlet, Isaiah says, they'll be white as snow. Our sins have been forgiven because punishment has been put on an innocent party, our scapegoat. The penalty of our sin is cast away, never to return. As we conclude, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you know Him, if you've turned from your sin, the Lord Jesus Christ 
is your high priest interceding on your behalf. He's your atoning sacrifice, appeasing the just and righteous wrath of God. And he's your scapegoat, carrying your sins away. If you know this Savior as your own, please join us in communion. If you don't, if you're not sure, if you've never tasted and seen that God is good and known as salvation, please don't take communion. Please don't. But if you do know him as your Savior, please come. Our worthiness as God's people to come before God, remembering his son's death in communion, just remember it's based on his worthiness. If you were to go to a communion service tonight in a Jehovah Witness tabernacle, you would sit there as the bread and wine are passed around, and not one person would take it. Why? Because they believe that they're not part of a group called the 144,000. They don't consider themselves worthy to take the Lord's Supper. They're not worthy because they're not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they also don't consider themselves worthy. Not one person in that group would take communion. But our worthiness tonight to come and remember the Lord's death is based on His worthiness. His worthiness as the perfect spotless Lamb of God, the sacrifice that was once for all, the one who bore our sins in His own body on the tree. And He's commanded those who believe and who follow Him to come and remember His atoning sacrifice. He's done the saving work and we remember the Lord's death till He comes. So let's bow before Him in humble gratitude. The Lord Jesus Christ is our high priest. He's our atoning sacrifice. And he's our scapegoat. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that not all the blood of beasts and Jewish altars slain was enough to atone for sin once for all. But you ordained a way in which your people could be redeemed. Your people could be made right. Your people could be saved from the law of sin and death. Lord, as we remember your sacrifice, focus our hearts in praise. Help us to remember what you've done for us. Help us to focus on our great and mighty King, the one who gave his life as a ransom for many. Amen.